Don't mind me, everyone. Yeah. Never do. We just gotta leave you to your business today. You're gonna get on with yours, and we're, we're gonna be over here doing a doing a show. Oh. Check out that reaction. Don't know if you can hear that. I can hear something squealing. Everyone in Newcastle could. Something very. Oh, oh! I know what that is. Anyway, sorry. I was just checking out the reaction that I received at North Wrestling in Newcastle this past Saturday for my UK in-ring debut. <laughs> I mean, as someone who was there, I don't think that that uh, very, very hard to hear little bit of squeal we got over the recording that we heard does justice to quite how much that room erupted. It was loud. Um, yes, listeners, uh, this past weekend... Uh, we were in Newcastle. Myself, um, Laura Kate Dale was there with um, Jane, the lovely Jane, and our mutual partner Phoenix. We were all there, and I had my in-ring debut. Yeah, you did, and it went real heckin' well. It went really heckin' well, and it was my first match as a fully trained pro wrestler. Yeah. That's the other big thing. This was my first match as a fully trained pro wrestler. I did a spinning heel kick. Yeah. You've been doing your your one-on-one training on the down low and you, you there were a lot of yeah. people real caught off guard by you at this one going, "Oh, oh shit, you've got moves and stuff." Yeah. I've upgraded from one-on-one. Now. Yeah. Like I'm I'm doing three and a half hour training sessions with full classes. Like I'm I'm there. Yeah. I'm not brilliant. I'm still green and fundamental, but I I did what a pro wrestler does. I turned up on the, the day, worked out a match from scratch, and we fucking did it, and we fucking tore the house down. And I, after all these years, after almost five years in pro wrestling, Commander Sterling made fucking bank this weekend. Yeah. Between my take and the merch, right? Yeah. I... Didn't lose money <laughs> and in fact had a lucrative weekend. <laughs> Shit's real. No one can say you haven't made it now because there are tons of very talented wrestlers out there who do shows and walk away at a loss. Oh yeah, like I've done nothing but lose money for years. Yeah. In one weekend I made up for several shows. <laughs> like this was just... This was great. It was Commander Sterling versus Zeo Knox. I'm gonna see if North will let me stream the match on Twitch. I hope so. It was a it was a it was a wonderful yeah. match. Can I just say North North Wrestling NCL? Absolutely great crowd to watch uh, wrestling oh, with. Amazing. It is the best crowd I've ever been in front. I'd be terrified to be heel in front of them. They're merciless. I have never seen a crowd so quickly ready to jump to shout at calling someone a cunt, and it's great. Oh, yeah. Like, all throughout the night. <laughs> um, but yeah, Zeo Knox, the hated crypto millionaire, conservative <laughs> wanker, like, the moment he comes out, it's Tory cunt, Tory cunt, eat the rich, eat the rich. Like, it's fucking amazing. Um, and the reaction I got was, like, more incredible than last time. Like, to the point that by the time Laura unfurled a massive, <laughs> mighty banner with Commander Sterling on it, like, I broke character completely and just went, fucking hell, into the microphone, just, just meekly before regaining my composure. That... 
banner was incredible, Laura. I definitely intended it to be that large and didn't order a smaller <laughs> size that turned up much larger than I'd paid for. Oh, it was the perfect size. It was the perfect size. It was not what I had intended, but it was perfect for what it needed to be in that moment. <laughs> uh, I, there is no way that is not going to be in the match footage. Like, there is no way that's not going to be on camera. Oh god, yeah. So that's going to be incredible. <laughs> I thank you so much for all the support and coming out and, and just lovely night. I'm, I'm glad I was able to come along. It was a delight and it was lovely to be able to come and, and see you do your thing. Yeah. Thank you. I was I was so looking forward to finally being able to show you. Yeah. The commander in person. It was a lovely time as well. I got to meet some lovely Podquisition listeners. I had a, I had a wonderful night. It was a, it was a delight. Yeah. It was funny, I was talking to someone, like, like a fan, and then, like, partway through our conversation, like, you were sat at one of the tables, and they just went, sorry, is, is that Laura? <laughs> so, yeah, like, a lot of people were excited. One one person, bless them, um, I've never seen anyone so excited to buy an appetizer. <laughs> I, they were like, can I get you a drink? And I'm like, mate, I've been thinking about an appetizer for the past hour. And it, he, like, just ran, just, yeah. just giddy. Um, wonderful night, wonderful night. Yeah. I debuted. Um, a reviewer said it. Solid chain wrestling. Yay! Solid chain wrestling. As great as all this is, Conrad, I have to tell you about my best moment of of that day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're ready for this. Okay. I there was a there was a pizza truck outside. Oh, okay, I'm in. Yeah, and they had like you know they had a lot of very good pizzas. Like toward the end of the night, I had a nice like spicy meat based pizza. It was lovely. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also had an abomination of food that I feel like you might appreciate. In the this doesn't sound good, but you'll at least understand the. I I kind of just had to. Sure. Okay. I had a Mars bar calzone. Wait. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so th- you you had a Mars bar wrapped in pastry dough, um, or dough of some kind, and then um baked. Yeah, pizza pizza dough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In 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 a in a like a proper like a flame pizza oven. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Full of Mars bar. <laughs> Because I was in the north of England, and that's what you do. They don't give a fuck here. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. No, you know what? I I don't disapprove of this. Is it a food crime? Absolutely. Um, but one I can get behind. Yeah, that truck was good. Yeah, that was a good truck. I had some pizza from it myself later in the night, and they were good. Because I mean, it is just like a truly trash oh, God, version yeah. of a a chocolate croissant. Am I I mean, am I wrong here? No. Exactly. Look, the whole time I was eating it, I was flip-flopping between this is the greatest choice I've ever made with regards to food and oh my god, what the hell am I putting in my body? Mm-hmm. It was a real polarizing experience, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. It's good trash. It it was a it was a good night. Ah, uh, should we talk about some video games? Sure, we could do that. I do that. a spinning heel kick. <laughs> Sorry, I just like like you know, I'm all about video games sometimes, like within reason. Well, I mean, you did a move that video game fighting game characters in video games do that. It's a move you would see on a move list. I do a legit I do a legit spinning heel kick and a rolling sentinel. Yeah. Like like f- fuck 
fuck Liz Truss. <laughs> I do a I do a spinning heel kick. <laughs> I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Well, I mean, I choke some to Tory. But anyway, video games. Yeah. Who's played some of them and wants to talk about one? I've seen one of those. Who wants to talk about them? Comrade, you've you've played several. I think you've played the most this week. Do you want to, do you want to start us off? You see, you, you, you qualified that really poorly. You said, who played video games and who wants to talk about them? And I'm oh, no. only halfway there. I mean, you've played several. Can we coerce you into talking about one of them? Yeah, let's... Uh... So I'm just going to do a couple of uh, real quick, because actually, while I've played a lot of games, I have very little to say about any of them. Yeah, sometimes that's the case. Yeah. So I played a bit of Xbox Game Pass stuff that had just sort of been piling up in the last few weeks. Yeah. I played Guardians of the Galaxy, finally. Oh, yeah. 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 I think it's a very interesting, cool, frenetic combat thing that I totally get the appeal of and don't want to do. <laughs> it, you know, uh, I, it's not helped by how long it fucking took to get to the point where it was actually letting me do that. Yeah, it takes it. It takes its time. That tutorial be long. And I didn't necessarily mind too much on the basis of the character development that was going on and the, you know, relationship introduction. And they try to keep it sort of interesting by letting you build your own Peter Quill or whatever the fuck's going on there. I don't know. Mm. Um, But I only really made it as far as actually having access to all four Guardians in combat uh, when I stopped playing. And while I think that system is neat, there's something about its implementation that I find fiddly or uncomfortable and makes me forget and or not want to use it. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad, I, I don't think. I think there's just something about it that's not working for me. But I could totally see why people are were digging on the combat. And I could even see why the... I can, I can even see the story being, you know maybe decent based on what uh was on display but i probably won't go back to it that sort of system of you know remembering which guardian has the ability that i want to use against this group of enemies and making sure i target it right and time it right and all it's just going to be too much for me and it does not seem like a game that you could play without relying on that feature which is a neat feature that i don't want to use so yeah uh, i'll probably pass but it, it, it i i get it i see why people liked it um, and then the other thing I played on Game Pass, which I have probably even less to say about, is uh, Shredders. Mm. Shredders is a snowboarding game. Oh, I've seen I've seen this on the newly added list. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I, I think the premise is kind of entertaining. You are one of a pair of kind of lame wannabe influencers on a mountain doing. Uh, trying to do some sick tricks or or whatever for your your gram, I guess, as the kids call it. Yeah. Uh, and you're sort of semi exploited by a up and coming PR person 
to, you know, like destroy a bunch of their branded stuff so that they have a video that they could use in marketing. I, I like that premise. Right? Like, yeah, you play kind of dopey characters that are sort of being pulled into yeah. this a little bit. Um, you know, and she doesn't necessarily seem like a bad person. She's just sort of taking advantage of you a little bit at the beginning. And I, I don't know. It might go somewhere interesting. My, my issue with it is it feels kind of... Uh, molassesy yeah like especially with rotate you know i'm this is it's a little closer to the sim level of play as opposed to arcadey even though it feels on premise and presentation all of it like it should be arcadey yeah i was surprised to hear the premise because like the thing that turned me off trying it was that it was, it's one of those snowboarding games that described itself in its little description as no snowboarding game has ever had this level of control. And to me, that's like, oh, that's a technical game that, like, I'm... That's going to be out of my wheelhouse. Right? Like, I bounced off of Skate mm. uh, when that came out. I bounced off hard from Skate because I, you know, I like Tony Hawk. Yeah. And that's sort of the mode of play. And this, this, uh, they they draw comparisons to Amped, um, which I don't know that I played. Uh, the Amped games on Xbox at any point, but uh, SSX, this is not, I will say. Yeah. SSX is usually my reference point for what I enjoy out of a snowboarding game. Yeah. Which seems like it would have been a good fit for this kind of premise. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too, but uh, apparently I'm wrong, and that's fine. Um, but it, yeah, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't look bad, is the thing. It's just, it's going to be a little more... Uh, Slow and, and actually, the other thing, too, is that it's real forgiving, despite how much drag it's putting on rotations and things like that. Like, it, I only fell once or twice in play in these, like, early stages that I did. So it wasn't like it was beating me up for not nailing things. But at the same time, it wasn't giving me the sense of freedom to feel like I'm cool and empowered either. Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I will probably not play more of Shredders, but... Shame. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Steph? What have you played? Me? Yeah. You! I think Laura and I have played um, a lot of the same stuff this week. We've played a few overlapping things this week, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, just quickly say I've been playing Elden Ring pretty much constantly. That's just a given. Right. I mean, I'm still playing Elden Ring as yeah. well. It's been my... I've been dipping in in, like, little bits here and there. I've not wanted yeah. to, like... I don't want to binge it. I just want to have it there to dip in and out of for a while. Mm-hmm. I've been slowly adding to my list of NPC quest lines. I've irrevocably fucked up by not checking the wiki every five fucking minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That bit has finally started to really grate. I mean, I've, I have just given in and been like, if I'm unsure about what I'm doing, just check the wiki. Is this going to have consequences? Cool. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's, it is it is what it is. I'm really digging where I'm at with the combat, though. I'm now running around with two katanas, one in each hand, doing, oh, like, cool nice. double katana shit. Yeah, I finally nailed, like, my, my build is honed now mm. um, to be almost pure faith. Mm. I've got a, the scythe, the angel, uh, the winged scythe that scales with it, with the ridiculously extra feathery angelic. Like, you jump up in the air and hover for a second and then come down and slash and feathers come out everywhere. It's pretty neat. Yeah, so I've got that. Bunch of miracles, you know. I've got the the, the mad eye laser where you sort of become 
your insanity meter builds up and you start screaming and blowing like fiery lasers out your eyes. So pretty pleased. I'm big, big Dex, uh, loving my unsheathed R2 on my my katana and like going from that into double katana combos and my big dragon head that just spews rotten gas at things, which 100% is carrying me through certain boss fights. And Yes, I have heard that about the... (laughs) The Scarlet Rock Dragon, like it just carries. It's been my, am I getting a little annoyed with this boss? Okay, I'll let myself just inflict ongoing damage to it and run away Mm -hmm. for a second. I've also done done so much co-op. I now have basically infinite rune arcs. So I can have like just double all my stats like constantly, which has been really useful. Yeah. Especially for all the things that can do shot. Yeah. So that's been good. It's good. Bit annoyed with some of the the having to wiki, otherwise lose things. And speaking of forced replayability, I've also been playing Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I I, I'll, you you go ahead first. I feel very differently about this game. <laughs> I'm very interested to hear about this because, as a person who has watched about ten minutes of footage total of the game, and it's been the two of you <laughs> playing it. I, I and I don't recognize it as a Kirby game as I know Kirby games. So I I get that it doesn't look a lot like a Kirby game at first glance, but it captures the feel of a Kirby game really well. Like I I'm really impressed at how well they've translated the feel of Kirby into a 3D game. They've done a really good job of that. Yeah, like it's fundamentally it is a Kirby game. Mm-hmm. You run around. It's nice and simple. Um, you run around. There's enemies. You suck them up copy their abilities, and and do normal Kirby things, just with a bit of a 3D plane to it. I feel like the closest comparison to this sort of 3D game design is if you played any of uh, Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U, which was like uh, linear environments from fixed perspectives, but you had 3D exploration room within that, and there was limited branching, but it was basically... Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a properly open 3D space, but it... It has that feel. Well, okay, and but here's here's my question then in regards to the shift to 3D, because one of the things I always associate a lot with Kirby games as 2D platforms is their verticality. There is a good amount of verticality in this. I I wouldn't necessarily agree that there's there's some. It it doesn't there's not a lot of up and down. I would say again that comparison to 3D land is apt, where there's a lot of flat planes, there's some climby bits, but it's not a lot of... I see exactly what you mean, Conrad, mm-hmm. and it's not that. It's not lots of tiered platforming. So I would argue the places where the verticality exists is largely on the off-the-beaten-path side areas. There is more verticality in, I found a little hidden secret path over here, and that's leading me to a objective and there's going to be some verticality there, and then you come back around to sort of the main path. Even so, it's not what Conrad's talking about with sort of... Uh, may, 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 maybe. I, 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 I don't feel like it's that big of, di- of a difference, but may, maybe it is. Well, I don't know, because, I mean, here's... Yeah. One of Kirby's defining abilities is they suck in air and float and travel yeah. over distances, and so there is a bit of that that I kind of expect from Kirby. Yeah, I mean, he can do it. It's just, right. it's not as, you don't, 
use it as much as you you use it more to course correct for just the 3d-ness with the there's 3d right. platforming navigation so you do use it more vertically than horizontal which is a good application of that ability for sure here's what i'll say i think that it doesn't get used as a vital part of gameplay for a lot of the game but there are some really good examples of it later on particularly okay. one of the last fights in the game has some really interesting mechanics around using platforming to avoid certain attacks to use that verticality to get over big damage before you you start fighting back. And I think there are some good examples of it being used very well, but it's not consistently applied throughout. Okay. Yeah. But the heart of the game is there, you know. Yeah. It's not like... It's a different type of level layout, for sure. But yeah, at least what makes a Kirby game Kirby to me is present. Yeah. It's got the right level of this is a vibrant colourful world that I can go exploring through and I I think that like I have had a joyous time exploring this world. It is a very well crafted set of environments to go explore that I have found really interesting and I really like the mouthful mode. Yes. The mode where you can suction up the big uh, objects and Kirby stretches its mouth around them. And Now I've always been a fan of a mouthful mode but the one <laughs> found in Kirby is it's delightfully upsetting, like, visually. It's ridiculous to the exact degree that I love. But, oh, the Rule 34 has got to be incredible. Oh, wait, wait. I'm going to talk about Rule 34. Yeah. It's not It's not the mouthful. Right, right, fuck it, right. For, forget <laughs> game mechanics. Forget level layouts, right? Let's talk about Chloraline. Mm-hmm. What that cat do, though? What that cat do though? What that what that trapeze cat do? There is a character in, in Kirby and the Forgotten Land that's been designed almost exclusively for the furry community. And considering this game has only been out for a number of days, and the Rule 34 page for it is now filled with a trapezing cat. What if we gave a trapezing cat tits? Stephanie would be very happy. There's your answer <laughs> to that. From from one oh. kitten to another, like I'm on board with this. I am more Chloraline. Why doesn't she already have her own game? What's going on, Nintendo? Sort it out. DLC, Chloraline. But I, I will say, yeah, I, I really enjoyed mechanically the use of those um those weird mouthful mode mechanics. Yes. Like, things like the, uh, the light bulb, where you just swallow a light bulb hole and <laughs> you're like occasionally turning your the light bulb inside you on, but doing so makes enemies come closer to you and you're trying to like navigate these dark spaces mm -hmm. the vending machine's really satisfying i like that they they like the car is sort of the the main one they were showing off yeah but the other ones are like like they they are weird choices yeah like a set of stairs like that's just <laughs> not what you'd imagine like oh you can transform into all these weird wacky things no you're a set of stairs and you swallow it and you tumble over you just fall over to squash things and then move the stairs somewhere and then you put the stairs somewhere <laughs> at heart and it's hard it's just a block puzzle it's just a block moving puzzle that you'd see in a platform game but the way they've wrapped it it feels new and fun yeah it is a game that constantly is throwing novel experiences at you that while a bit bizarre are hard to not smile at. Yes, yes. It's it is a delightful game. 
I do not care for the forced replayability. So I want to hear you talk about this because I I feel very differently about this. So I don't mind. I've liked in previous Kirby games where there's like, you know, and they do it in Mario too. You know, there's three coins hidden in the level that you can get for an extra sort of 100% completion of a level. And at, at its core, I like that there are sub-objectives in every level. Um, and the sub-objectives are neat. Things like, you know... Um, Help the ducklings find their mum. That's that's the greatest yeah. one. It's adorable. They waddle after you, and it's great. Yeah, you collect five ducks throughout the level, and then walk up to the mum, and then they hang out, and it's all fun. Um, there's all sorts of little objectives like that, you know, like oh, tear down all the wanted posters and all of this shit. I don't like how many of them are hidden until either you do it the once, which isn't so bad. Discovering it once, fine. When they're hidden until the level's done, sometimes to the point where you would have to play the level three times to see everything, that I find galling. Things like defeat this boss with a certain copy ability, but we're not going to tell you what the copy ability is until you've guessed and fought it once. Like, I find these games fun enough that the replayability comes as standard. When they force it, it just makes playing it the first time feel unsatisfactory. I've completely fallen on the other side of this, which is I found that by playing and trying to be sort of thorough and explorative and just doing the things I would naturally do while playing, I was finding enough of them before the game was signposting them to me that I got to feel like I'd discovered something cool and secret that I hadn't been pointed towards, and I found that really rewarding. You know what? I will say, there are some that are like that, yes, and then there are some that's like, I've just fought this boss, and now it's told me that in order to get all the waddledies, I had to use a completely different copy ability that it didn't tell me to use. I fundamentally disagree, and I think my disagreement comes from the fact that, like, for me... I really, really enjoyed this game. I enjoyed every minute a minute of it start to finish. The only complaint I have is that it is a pretty short game, and that's not entirely a bad thing. I really enjoy having a game that I can, you know, in amongst all the, the Pokemon Legends Arceus and the Elden Ring I've been plod- pushing through recently, I like having a game I can sit down and play like in a weekend and go, that was just a charming, polished, concise experience. But it did leave me wanting more. Like, I completed the the main story, I completed the post-game, I completed the big boss rush challenge thing at the end, and I wanted more. And having those things that, that, that I hadn't completed because I didn't know there were objectives before has given me an excuse to go, you know what, I'm gonna keep playing this because there's stuff I didn't do, because this game went out of its way to increase the chance of me not doing everything in the first playthrough, so I have an excuse to spend more time in this world. And for me, that's been really nice. It's given me an excuse to jump back in, and I've been enjoying that completionism. I just feel like a better excuse would have been more game. <laughs> I mean... I just feel like that would have been better than contriving reasons to go back in. I mean, look, I get that, but also I sometimes like a game that I can go through and feel like I've finished in a reasonable amount of time, and that I can go if I want to walk away... I can do that, and I wasn't padded out until then, but if I do want to keep going, I can go back in and there's other stuff to do. And for me, that works. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's clearly just, you know, we're we're, yeah. we're getting very different difference. things out of it. Um, yeah. I'll also say, like, compared to the previous games, like, I, I'm not fond of the, the bonus levels either. Like, in previous games, those were actual levels, but these treasure rooms where it's like, I don't mind fundamentally the idea, but 
the fact that they're the only form of bonus level where it's like you're given and copy ability and it's just a series of small basically rooms challenge rooms i'm like i just don't find it as as mechanically satisfying as literally any other bonus level in another kirby again i fall differently on this to you and i, I get why it would feel that way i have personally really enjoyed those as a look you've got an ability here is your chance to really show that you have like understood every little bit of how to really use this ability effectively and i found that a nice little oh are there things i can do with this that i'm not understanding could i be using this better it was a nice little focus in on one bit of gameplay i think again you don't need to make every bonus like you don't need you can do that without turning every bonus level into that that's fair but also it never bothered me while i was playing that they were all that which also is fair. Um, yeah. I like the little Waddle D town. That's that's fun. There's a little oh. town that grows as you play. That's fun. I like the little mini games in the town you build up. Yeah. Some of them are real fun. The food serving mini game is fun. There's a boss sort of arena that you can replay things. And yeah. Get. That's all cool. For people who've been worrying that this game wouldn't be hard enough, uh, there's a hard mode available from the start. Who does that? Who worries? I know, I know. People have been doing that. I know, but who... What fool worries that a Kirby game isn't hard in... I'm sorry. Look, I'll say this. uh, Having played it on hard mode and done its, like, big boss challenge at the end, uh... Oh yeah, don't worry about that. There's challenge in there if you want it. I just... Like, by the end of the boss rush, it was getting into proper, like, Platinum Games character action territory, and it was great. I'm just saying, the fucking... The Hardcore Gamers TM can stay the fuck out of my Kirby, right? (laughs) They're the casuals in this regard. They're the ones that are playing the game wrong. If they're playing Kirby and thinking, oh, you know what? I wish it was a bit more like Elden Ring. Play Elden fucking Ring. Half of you aren't anyway. You're on the internet having a go at people who actually enjoy games. (sighs) Fuck's sake. Kirby, the only other criticism I have, it's not a major criticism. It's more of a wish. I wish they'd lean, they'd lent, more heavily consistently into the fact that it's clearly a post-apocalyptic earth like i yeah it's it's very shallow in that regard i say that i say that after having a go at people angry that kirby isn't hard enough that i'm here well i wish it would explore the themes of humanity's demise look much like elden ring if you want to go read the item descriptions of the uh, of of all of the little figurines some of those are you fun, will find yeah. that there is some lore about the uh, ultimate demise of our planet yeah. to go digging into if you want some depressing end of the world bullshit kirby's always been sort of always had a little sort of ironic darkness to it some of the stuff in some of the games have just been fucking downright disturbing it's there still if you want it but it's not it's not front and center. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like none of these criticisms are to say that I don't like the game. I enjoy it. I'm just frustrated by some of the design elements. I personally preferred Kirby Star Allies, and well, pretty much all of the Kirby games of recent years I've enjoyed more than this one. But I've also never played a bad Kirby game. This isn't a bad Kirby game. This is a good game. I feel a little on the different end of that scale in that I also have basically always enjoyed like i will always have a good time with the kirby game this is one of the more enjoyable ones i've played in a while much like something like pokemon with pokemon legends arceus coming out recently i very much appreciated a change of pace and something slightly different that still felt 
in theming with the thing I like, but that has been kind of the same thing over and over for a while. And I felt like this was a pretty good way of translating that into 3D in a way that didn't feel like it was a departure from what, what made those games great, while feeling new and interesting. Like, you're not wrong, because it is how you enjoyed the game. Yeah. No, we just have different opinions on this. And, you know, I think most people would, would lean on your side more, because I've heard, you know, people just seem to love this game. And I really like it. I'm. It's not a bad game, because it's Kirby. You're, you're not the only person I've seen be critical, and I think they're fair criticisms. They just didn't feel that way for me. Yeah. Yeah. And there we go. That's how you d- you respectfully disagree about video games. Take lessons, everyone. Unless you want to talk about Kirby being too easy, in which case, fuck off. Kirby's <laughs> Epic Yarn is one of the best games ever fucking made. It is. Conrad, what have you played this week? <laughs> Sorry, I actually missed all of that because I went and looked up Rule 34. And Yeah? Yeah, okay, so I, I get the, the, the uh, Clarolene. Cla- yeah. Uh, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But I'm learning a lot about Kirby here that I hadn't considered. Before you say anything, let me ask, how many images of Kirby full of water have you seen so far? Because I suspect that's going to be the one the internet latches on. That's not water. See, that's that's the thing. It's like, I I guess th- this is answering the question for me. Okay, but what if Kirby didn't swallow? Right? Yeah, yeah. Kirby with a tummy full of cum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm pretty certain whoever on the Kirby team made the water balloon power. You didn't do a very good job of hiding your kink, and that's fine, but like, <laughs> yeah. own up to the it's fact that you did I it. I respect it. Look, you, you made yeah. the sloshiest version of Kirby possible, and I respect oh. your confidence. Boy, was it sloshy. Uh, mm. God, it's sloshy. Wow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Kirby with a tummy full of cum. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um... So uh, the other thing I've been playing uh, a lot more Skull because I can't seem to stop, despite you know how frustrating I find it and how it repeatedly just kicks my ass. Um, uh, now I'm at the point where I've unlocked the respawn once after death with less health, so that has enabled me to make it into like stage four. Ooh. Uh, okay, well, at stage three, the enemies start exploding on you. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) Like, when they die, there's a pretty good chance. Some enemies always do it. There's other enemies that only sometimes do it. But when they die, they'll have a little, you know, like, exclamation point pop over their head. And you have, you know, half a second to get the fuck away before they blow up. Which is, you know, deals damage to the other enemies that are near them. That's cool. But it, it, as chaotic as this game can get, it could be really easy to miss them. And it so that gets nuts. I wish I could remember how it fucked me even further in World 4. But I think it must have been so traumatic that I just blanked it entirely. I know I didn't last long. Uh, it's really compelling and I, I somebody mentioned that there's a an easier difficulty mode which there there is it isn't well you know like labeled mm. but the, in the menu there's a rookie mode and rookie mode would reduce all incoming damage by 50 percent, mm. and that would make a pretty huge difference i'm not resorting to it yet but it is interesting to know that it's there and i am going to come to a point where i'm just going to be curious as to how fucking insane the last 
boss is going to have to be mm. because of everything. It's ramped up to this point. But yeah, I, I, I do really like it. I really like the way head evolutions work and, you know, just stack another little ability on to what you already have established with each upgrade. Uh, it's it's well crafted. I'm still sticking almost entirely to speed skulls because everything else just feels too fucking slow. Mm -hmm. But I I'm still having fun playing it as much as I I am constantly frustrated. So yeah, Fair day. it it is it is a very good game. Yeah, just, just too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura, what have you played? I, I played more tunic. Did you now? Yeah, and. Do you like it more? Less? I, I'm less frustrated with the moment-to-moment -moment of it. Um, mm -hmm. So a few things. One of the things I complained about last week was I was like, yeah, this game has no map, I'm getting lost, I'm really struggling with it. And you were like, oh yeah, no, it has a map, it's in the manual. I hadn't yet found the manual page that had the map. The map oh. is a thing you have to find hidden in the world. Oh. And if you don't find the map, you just don't have map functionality. Yikes. I'd walked past where the map was available and then gotten lost and was stuck with no map. Oh no. So I had to restart that game to go back and find the map. Oh. Which wasn't a good start to how I felt. Oh, okay. So yeah, there is a ladder point down, uh, a, like a, a pit you climb into that you then can't climb back out of. Is that what, and that's past the map? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that is past the map as, as per my understanding. So I had gone past the point where I could get the map. That is, that is unfortunate. I, I don't think that area is necessarily too confusing to not get out without the map, but it is very hard. I, you're, you're welcome to disagree, but as someone who has like an act, like an active brain condition where I have no visual sure. memory I could not get out of there without yeah. a map and I could not go back to get the map yeah that's rough yeah I, I struggle with stuff like that too like as someone who wasn't you know I complained last week about my issues with the early game knowing that I'm even less inclined to go back so here's, here's the thing I went back and I restarted and I went back in with the knowledge that I was supposed to actively be reading the manual and I went in going okay is there any point where I should have picked up on the fact that this was the case? And I, I think no. No? I think that this game does a really terrible job of cluing you into the fact that the manual is a vital thing that you have to look at regularly, as opposed to some optional thing with some art in it. I, I just fundamentally feel like that is a that design does not work for me. And that, that being said, I went back in. I played more. I had more fun knowing what needed to happen. But I still find the game kind of fundamentally frustrating, and it's a real shame because I want to like it more than I do. And I think I think there's an easy solution to all of the problems that you outlined here. Yeah, and that's to just put the page with the map in the room with the pit that you fall into, because you can't you you can't fail to progress that way. You will eventually find that hole. You will go down in there. You will pick that thing up. It will show you a map, and all of this gets fixed. That's the thing. If you ma if you find the map initially, then yes, the you're like, oh, the manual is a thing that's important for me to check because that's where my map is. Oh, while I'm here, what was that I saw? Yeah. 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 But like, even with that aside, like I ended up just like, you know, looking up videos to go, okay, I'm stuck. Where do I go? Where is that thing? I had fun with it, but it never got its hooks in me. Like I never, I was playing because I felt like I should give it a shot. 
not because I felt compelled to play. I never felt like I was really in that, ooh, I want to see more of this mode. It just never got me. And that is a shame. I, I gave it as fair a shake as I could, and it just just didn't work for me. I mean, I haven't played it since last week. Yeah. Yeah, I just haven't bothered to go back. But that's just me not going back to something. Uh, I still think it's 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 pretty neat. I think it's pretty well constructed. I can see why, uh, particularly when you have Elden Ring available and you like Elden Ring, that it would be very difficult to be interested in Tunic, which fundamentally isn't that different. Yeah. I'll say again what I said last week. I feel like Elden Ring of the two games did a better job of explaining to me what my options were and where I could go and how to play the game. And that is not a favourable comparison you want to have made. Like, Elden Ring doesn't do a great job, but Tunic did a worse job. And it's a real shame. I wanted to like it. It just it just isn't clicking. Uh, Steph, what else have you been playing? Well, aside from a game I bought for no good reason called Nun Massacre, it's enough about that. Um, <laughs> there's another game that you and I both played. Yeah. Uh, it is a game that I, I didn't realise it had come out. I, I was just browsing. I was like, oh shit, that game's out now. Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, real, like, quiet release, right? Yeah. And sometimes that's a bad sign. Where it's like, oh god, they snuck this out, what's wrong with it? But no! Yeah! It's alright! It's not brilliant, but I, I'm i enjoying it. It is it's, an it's interesting... interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting at the same time, which again, not sometimes not a good sign, but in this case, it, has, it is interesting. It's a kind of, kind of cheesy novel thing that, like, I, I like it for the same reason as I like some B-movies. It's very committed to its kind of nonsense yes. premise and it's over the top without apology uh, apologizing for that it is a silly game it knows it and it's having fun with what is frankly an absurd premise uh and and i respect the hell out of that yeah it is it's got the trappings of a horror move like horror game but it's not really a horror game yeah uh, it's as far as horror as a very sort of knowingly schlocky b movie is horror yeah it's got ghosty things like basically the premise is is um your character is possessed by essentially a ghost who is trying to get to some like you know evil doer and everyone's been sort of raptured in Tokyo there's just like clothes all strewn about where everyone's been spirited away and their spirits are sort of floating about and then there are headless schoolgirls and slender men with umbrellas just sort of pottering about and that's sort of the premise and cats yeah. run convenience stores let's not forget that bit yeah cats run convenience stores and you fight the ghosts using like uh, Naruto style hand symbols to fire off magic yeah like like combat is sort of first person shootery except yeah like you're it's not like gun like rapid fire spray and pray gun gunning yeah. like it's more considered a bit more methodical you're you charge up like elemental attacks and fire them you can rapid fire them a bit but it's usually more worth your while to charge up and fire one thing that i wasn't sure about before playing and like i want to reassure people because i had a slight concern was am i going to have to remember like button combinations to be like this hand sign, this hand sign, this hand sign to do a thing. No, it's a lot more simplified than that. It's it's it is visual flourish over a fairly simple yeah. control scheme. In fact, it's it's quite generous because it's it's yeah. not only you know basically just a case of hitting the fire button yeah. and aiming. You there is a nice little soft lock on system as well, so that you can sort of 
get in get your reticle close enough to an enemy then press the left trigger and it sort of hones in on them a bit which is good because the controls are a little stodgy yeah not enough to ruin the fun but a little stodgy and that soft lock just i think without it i'd i'd really have a much worse time with the game yeah that soft lock allows you to do what this game i think needs which is to just feel a little cool and overpowered and to not really think about it too yeah. much beyond that, which like I think works for this. It's very stylish as well. Yeah, this combat's very stylish. It's like I say, like like mechanically, it's quite slow. Um, enemies will sort of teeter up to you, and you can time a block to sort of take no damage because you take a bit if you block, yeah. and you can sort of repel them with a bit of a uh, bit of a parry. Charging up can take time. You can lower that with upgrades and stuff. Um, but just the the visual style of it is really neat, very colourful, mm. and. When you deal enough damage, like the enemies will have these little cores in their chests that are exposed, and you basically lasso them with, mm. dare I say, a ghostly wire, and just sort of pull like a fishing rod, just yanking their hearts out, which is really cool. As a weird comparison, the closest I could give to that mechanic is the Xbox One game Recore. Yes, yes. It it feels really similar in that sort of, like, mm -hmm. get your opening to pull the thing out of the middle of the thing. Yeah. And, like, it's satisfying. It works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Um, I like the map. It's one of those sort of quasi-open worlds mm. where it's sort of limited, but, you know, there's not, like, vast expanses of land. You know, it's Tokyo. It's lots of alleyways and sidewalks and things. But it's just open enough yeah. to where you can spend a good deal of time just exploring, just finding ghosts to put into a piece of paper to then put into a phone because this is the kind of game this is <laughs> yeah uh, there's like little side quests that pop up the story is absurd and, and again knows it um it is a surprising game it is surprisingly fun i will say like it wears some of its limitations on its sleeve like very knowingly and it doesn't try and shy away from them like this game is not afraid to go occasionally nah it's ghost fog you can't go that way i'm like yeah, I can't, it's kind of endearing. I don't I don't mind that too much because everything else that it's doing right, I'm really enjoying. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I'm not mega, mega, mega far. I've just sort of gotten to the point where the game's expanded enough to where side quests have started happening. Um, mm. But I like it. It's very stylish. It's got a nice atmosphere to it. It's spooky, but in a schlocky way. It's not scary and it's not really trying to be. There's also a lot more narrative content going on than I often assume out of a first-person game. Very story-heavy. Yeah, like, for, for a game that is so first-person perspective gameplay-wise, you spend a lot of time in third-person having story about that character happen, and I appreciate that. I, I, I'm i never a big fan of I am experiencing the story moments through first-person. just doesn't work as well for me. Yeah. Yes, it's a neat little game. I want to give it more time. I've I've really enjoyed what I've played of it so far. Uh, anyone played anything else? Uh, so... I have been playing around with my 3DS a lot more lately because, um... Have I mentioned how easy it is to custom firmware hack a 3DS? I've heard rumor that it's real fucking easy. Real fucking easy. Yeah. So I've been playing a game called Coldcept Revolt, 
Now, uh, have, have either of you played Coldcept before? Um, uh, I don't no, think I've heard so. of it, but I've, I don't think I've played it. It's a it's a real niche thing. It's a oh, this is a thing oh. for Conrad game. I'm looking at this now. I've definitely never played this. Yeah, so it is. Imagine if you took the basic mechanics of Magic: The Gathering. You know, you got a hand of cards, you got creatures, you got spells in your cards. You're gonna have magic to cost you to play these, and now apply that to Monopoly. Huh? You move around a board. Performing laps that give you increasingly uh, greater magic reward for each completion along bo- uh, spaces that are four different, up to four different colors. They are representative of the elements, and your cards in your hand, your monsters, are of the same elements. And when you move on to a space that is unclaimed, you can put a monster there Mm. and claim it and get additional reward for owning it on every loop and collect a toll anytime an opposing player lands on it. Oh. If the opponent, you know, if an opposing player lands on it, they can choose to play a creature card from their own hand to try to defeat the monster on that and claim the space for themselves. But if they fail, presumably, they then have fewer monsters to place on, on a unclaimed spaces themselves. Well, they, yeah, they, they might lose the card in their hand. It depends. Yeah. Um, mm. You do spend magic to play the card as though you were playing it. Okay, if yeah. it's killed, it's removed from your hand, which that can happen in the course of the combat. Um, otherwise, it will just return to your hand, no harm there. But you then still pay the, the toll if you lose as well. You gain bonuses for owning multiple properties of the same color. You can perform commands that exchange the creature that is on a tile with a different one from your hand. You can increase the value similar to adding houses in Monopoly. Uh, you can change the color of it to make it more amenable to the chain you've built up and the creature cards in your deck. It's a neat game with a fair bit of depth. The DS version of it, I or this version of it, uh, because there was a there was a called Sept on original DS, which was a remake of the original called Sept game from like 1999 that only released in Japan. This is Coldcept Revolt, which is actually a sequel to the original Coldcept, and is, I think, for the first time in a long time, something new. But it is still basically the same game it's always been, which I like. The issue I have with that is, as a returning player, um, there sure is a whole lot of playing it you're going to have to do before you can unlock the multiplayer, which is the whole reason I'm playing it. Um, the game does have some RNG elements that can be frustrating because you are rolling dice a lot to move around the board. And so it, waiting for somebody to hit on one of your valuable tiles can kind of suck sometimes. Uh, but every round, every game has a time limit effectively in that all of the earnings that you make during the course of the game goes into two pools. It goes into one where you can spend and one that just keeps a running tally. And that running tally is used to determine the goal of the game. You break that and then you hit one of the checkpoints on the board and you've won. Um, that's that's how the win condition works. So it's always on a, a eventual end point. It's not going to drag on forever like Monopoly where you have to like make the other player broke before it's done. Uh, it's a little more smartly designed from that perspective. It is fun. It it can be frustrating to play against computer opponents, which is why I'm trying to race through to get the multiplayer unlocked. But that said, it does need an introduction. 
because this is a game with a lot of cards and a lot of strategy and you're going to need to unlock a fair few through the game's you know in-game purchasing system there is there are microtransactions unfortunately in this version from a a premium (laughs) shop yeah that's a bummer i haven't really looked at what's in there because um i was not in a good wi-fi connect position when i tried to check it so i don't know what's there and i don't care much because i'll never go in there but it is a thing that yeah you can uh, pay you in but in terms of getting access i think to uh some better cards at the outset well like a year from now the 3ds is uh ability to buy dlc is gonna go away anyway right so, exactly you know, it's really easy to download stuff on the 3ds it is um i i don't know how the the premium store structure works but in game you know as you progress through the quest mode it seems like it it's going to unlock more variety in booster packs that you can buy with the winnings that you get from every round and you always come away with some winnings win or lose uh so it it does have a constant progression sense but, you know, there is the randomness element of you may not get cards that you want or are useful to you. Uh, you can sell cards back in the system and get coin to then buy more packs. So it's not too punishing uh, as a system, but it, it is present. You know, there's going to be randomness to unlock cards and, and so forth. Uh, I still really like the game. I've always liked the mechanics of it. I think it's uh, really fun. It works well on mobile, and uh, yeah, I I like this game. I I will have to try and convince Linda to get it and and, and play it as when play through to get the multiplayer unlocked, and that might be the trial uh, that that really really pushes against the ability of me to play this with anybody in the way that I would actually want to play it. But it's a good game. I do like it. And and the most hope I've had to play Cold Sept since the uh, 360 release that had abysmal netcode. Oh, my God. Oh, and the thing is, the game of Cold Sept, when I say Monopoly, this can take a long time. It can take a while to get through a game, especially if you set the goal too high, you make the board too complex. Mm. Losing connection sucked. Yeah. Um, but this, it, this, this does have local play and I want to do that. And I really like cold set conceptually and they should have made this a mobile game a long time ago. I can't believe I just said that out loud, <laughs> but it f- just feels like money left on the table. All right. Yeah. So yeah. cold set revolt. If if you have a 3DS that can uh, play 3DS games, I don't know if it's even still for sale somewhere, but it's good. I mean, if it's not, it... it's it's available. Yeah. Uh, anyone played anything else? I have. <gasps> but is it time before we can talk about it? Yeah. We gotta put our skates on <gasps> and take a little roll over to Stephanie's Beta Corner. That was a disappointing tap, that was. <laughs> that was the thin metal handle of a comb against an appetizer bottle. They can't all be winners, they can't but all maybe be winners. this game will be. No, it's not. 
No. <laughs> no. The Vita game wasn't a winner, no. No. Um, so I played Darius Burst Chronicle Saviors this week on the PS Vita. Now, it's 30 bucks on the storefront, and I bulk at having to do that for an old game. But I really like Darius as a series, and I heard this was fucking great. Like, best shooter on the Vita, really good Darius game, packed with content, really good. Half the screen is black bars. Oh. Like, you know the Vita screen, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't do anything to the screen to account for the fact that, you know, they took it from, you know, like, it's it's adapted from a, an older game. Mm. Like, I think it's an arcade game. Yeah. And rather than do anything to, like, adapt the screen so that it wasn't tiny on the Vita, they didn't do it. Aww. So there's two massive black bars at the top and bottom. And when you consider that the screen on the PS Vita is already small and wide, it is not even a, like... It's a literal letterbox shape. It's not just like the colloquial letterbox. It's actual letterbox. Was this one of those games that it spanned multiple displays uh, to achieve an ultra widescreen? It may have done. I think it was in a machine. Yeah. Like one of the ones you sit in, I think. Um, mm. But I've heard so many good things about this version, like the PS Vita version especially, that I took a, a, a chance on it. And it's... It's ridiculous. Like, it, it is so small. And there's text in the game that is, like, I'm not even joking, like, a couple of pixels a letter. Oh. You've got to really squint. Like, there's the regular sort of arcade mode, and then there's, like, the touted, like, dozens and dozens of missions mode with all these hexagons on a map with different, like, like conditions on them. I can't work out what they are because I'm not squinting. I'm not going to hurt my eyes. To, to work out what the conditions are. And um, more annoying than that is every mission, when you've done it, takes you to the game over screen and gets you to input your name. And then you go through the titles again, including the dev, like, dev logos, to go back to that mode to select another mission to do another one that might take five minutes to do. And then you're booted back out of it and have to go back into it. And it's so stoppy starty. The actual Darius gameplay is good. It's Darius. It's fine. But I don't know why it got such rave reviews. It's tiny. It is tiny. And when you consider how many bullets are flying at you, it's a Darius game. It's a bullet hell. Yeah. And you are dodging pixels. Here's why. Um, because, yeah, I, I went and looked up the arcade version of this, and this is, um, the display was two 32-inch LCDs using the angled mirroring effect. Right, yeah. To make them appear seamless. And so you're, you're looking at a, what, uh, maybe a 4,000 pixel wide nearly display there. And so they're trying to fit it in. And if it's designed to have that kind of width to give you the, you know, sort of range and uh, ability to dodge and anticipate, uh, you don't want to cut that too small. Uh, they never should have tried to adapt this is what I'm I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the thing is, a lot of fans would disagree because people fucking love this. I got it because people were saying it's the best shooter on the Vita. But it is not adapted to to account for the Vita what-so-fucking-ever. I wonder if there could be some means of doing, like, a dynamic pan camera that, you know, 
accounts for your movement a little bit, but still provides you with like enough of the rear behind. I don't know. I don't know either, but I. That's a shame. I mean, it's bad enough that the game just throws you in with like lots of different modes without really explaining what the fuck you're doing. Um, which makes it even more difficult when there's these tiny hexagons with, and I can't emphasize how small the text is. Like, oh god, I would get a little. Yeah. I would recommend you know those little, those little eye magnifiers that jewelers have. <laughs> I recommend playing the game with a jeweler's magnifying glass. Monocle, isn't it? Isn't One of the little monocle things. Yeah. yeah, like I think then it might be legible. Um, but between just how small it is and just how stoppy starty the game is, unless you're playing the original arcade mode, like no. Plus, it's got tons of DLC. Yeah. So I was disappointed. I really like Darius games, but it's one of them things where it's so obviously wrong that it makes me wonder if I'm missing something. Like, have I made a mistake here? Because I don't know how it's so loved when it is so... When it, it, it accounts so little for the PS Vita. I will say that at least they have done... They, they've done stuff with the HUD elements that they aren't completely wasting that space at the top and bottom because that mm -hmm. would add insult to injury. Oh, it's still bad. Oh yeah, no, it's still bad. Like the black bars are solid black. Yeah. Solid black. It's half the screen. Like maybe not pixel exactly, but if you were to get those two black bars and put them together, they would more or less account for half the screen. About 33%, but I'm with you. And you don't want that on the Vita. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't. Yeah. I cannot emphasize how small the text is on the, the mission menu. I don't... I, I, uh, I'm I disappointed. But it is what it is. But, I mean, yeah, no. It's because I am currently looking at um, a, a YouTube video. Uh, and I'm looking at the menu. And now I'm on my TV or on my, you know, pretty decently sized. There we go. That looks about Vita sized. Yeah. Now that I shrink the display. Uh, yeah, I can't, I only know it says free play because I read that when yeah. it was larger. It was star <laughs> yeah. system select, select a star system to capture. The mission menu text is smaller than free play. And free play is tiny. And there's yeah. a, there's 186 stages on Chronicle Oof. Saviors mode, apparently. And again, you're booted out of the game every time you finish one of those stages. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do ten. I'm not gonna get to ten because I, I'm not sitting through the developer logos over and over again. 186 Fuck off! This has been Stephanie's Vita Corner. Oh, that was better. Yeah. Ah, that was better. Right, should we rattle through some news quick? Let's, Let's rattle it. Get some of those newsy bits. Right, what do we got on the list this week? So one of the things we talked about last week was um, a documentary that was published by uh, People Make Games about a trio of indie studios that uh, are all under the, the publisher um, Annapurna Interactive. And one of the ones we talked about was... Funamina, which is the studio behind the game Watam, and we have since learned in the days since this uh, documentary came up that the studio is is closing. Well, it seems likely that they're closing. Like they're still, yeah, um, they're still trying to get funding for their next project, but will close if they don't get that. And 
you know, after everything that's come out, I, I trying to get funding right now. Yikes. Yes. So to be clear, yes, they they were in the process of trying to get funding when the story broke of abusive treatment within the company, and they have basically been very open now about the fact that hey, we were seeking funding and we're going to keep trying, but uh, if that isn't successful, the studio probably won't make it through this month. Which it is what it is. I hope the people uh, working there are able to find other work. Uh, I mean, you know, they're coming off of a successful game. I'm sure that they will have opportunities or may, you know, start some of their own new things. And I wish them the best of luck. Hopefully that team of people setting aside their company boss, Robin uh, Hunik, who is the person who was largely coming under fire, hopefully find somewhere good to land. Because from everything I've been seeing, there are some very good people working there who unfortunately were just working with a an auteur that was not a great person to work under, who was doing some abusive stuff. So hopefully those people land on their feet. But um, yeah, that's fallout from that. We got more Activision Blizzard King news, because of course we do. Uh, You remember a little while ago there was talk of an $18 million sexual harassment settlement Mm -hmm. uh, with the EEOC, which spawned into its whole other thing because like there was a separate lawsuit that started going, you're going to scupper up our lawsuit if you do this, etc. That was a whole back and forth we had. Well, uh, a US district court judge has confirmed that they're prepared to approve Activision Blizzard's $18 million settlement of a sexual harassment lawsuit. Now, there are a lot of objections from various sides being thrown around at this. Um, A lot of critics of this are saying $18 million to make this go away is fucking nothing Mm -hmm. money for Activision. Like, this is... They can throw that out and not even think about it. It's pocket change. And, like, that's not a punishment. It, it's nothing. Bobby Kotick could pay all that himself. He won't. Yeah. But Bobby Kotick could pay all that himself and not... It would literally be like fishing a dollar out from behind the couch cushions. Yeah. That's how much money we're talking... That's how much money that parasite has. That's how much money that scumbag sociopath has. Yeah. So yes, basically the situation as it stands now is that uh, people who have experienced sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, and other retaliation within Activision Blizzard King will be able to apply to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission uh, for relief, with the commission determining whether a claimant is successful and how much they'll be awarded. So this is not automatically people who have uh, made allegations against the company will automatically be paid out anything. They will have to go through the process of going to the EEOC and hoping that they are deemed able to see some of this settlement money. But who knows how far that will stretch. Yeah, this this lawsuit does come along with a few other things alongside the settlement. Activision Blizzard will be required to establish harassment and discrimination prevention programs that will be audited by the EEOC. And then any money that doesn't get claimed by people who were harassed within the company will be donated to charities determined by the EEOC that work towards things like diversity and equality in the workplace. Nice little tax write-off for them. Yeah, yeah. 
I think the core of this is many people have been pointing out that $18 million payout is fucking nothing when you look at this being a company that had a revenue of $8.8 billion last year. A woman killed herself because of what happened to her at Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Someone died. This is about 10% of Bobby Kotick's bonus last year and about 5% of what he's likely to get paid out for being let go after this acquisition. It's nothing. It's nothing. The man's got billions of dollars. Yeah, literally a 20th of what this man's about to receive for walking away from this company. And he doesn't feel a shred of remorse. 10% of what he got paid just for existing at the company last year. So... It's sickening. It's... Yeah. It, it, there is no justice here, and the sad thing is, it was never going to be seen. It was never going to be seen. Yeah. Uh, it's it continues to be a lot, mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to be a lot for a while because we got more stories about Activision Blizzard King. Uh, they're facing fresh allegations of sexual harassment and discrimination in another lawsuit. Jesus. There's also accusations of retaliation in response to complaints. Uh, this new lawsuit was filed in the LA County Superior Court. Um, it was filed on behalf of a current Activision Blizzard employee. Without getting into too much specifics, there are allegations of sexual harassment, gender discrimination, but also uh, retaliation after the employee publicly spoke about her experiences at the company back in December. She worked as a senior admin assistant and was pressured to drink alcohol, uh, was subjected to sexual comments, was subjected to unwelcome physical touching, attempts to kiss her... A lot of just really fucking gross stuff. She complained and attempted to, you know, raise this with her higher-ups. And she was told, Oh, that's just leadership being nice and trying to be friends with you. She was instructed to keep her concerns to herself, because they could be damaging to the company. After complaining, she began to face a hostile work environment. Many applications to other open positions in the company were rejected when she tried to move away from that department. It wasn't until she highlighted the harassment and retaliation. Like, she had to highlight that she was being retaliated against before she started getting accepted for attempting to move departments again. But even then, they would only let her move to a lower level position with a big salary decrease to move out of that that bit of the company. It's more, it's, it's, it's more of the same. It's more of this bullshit from them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The last bit of Activision Blizzard King stuff we got today is a little bit of news about unionization stuff. So, the headline that's been going around is Microsoft won't block unionization efforts at Activision Blizzard. There's a bit of a a caveat to that. Microsoft will not object to Activision Blizzard recognizing unionization efforts from its staff. (laughs) So what this headline actually is is, well, if Activision Blizzard, if a- if ABK says you can have a union, then sure, we won't override. Them. Yeah, they can have a union over there. Yes. Now, if 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 for some reason you know they aren't able to get a union because Activision Blizzard isn't okay with that, do you think that Microsoft's gonna mind if those workers attempt to unionize after the acquisition is complete? I mean, they sure aren't saying that it will be okay for them to do it then. That's not what they're saying. Oh. Gosh, well, they seem trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, the the statement from a Microsoft spokesperson was literally just Microsoft will not stand in the way <laughs> if Activision Blizzard recognizes a union. Microsoft respects Activision Blizzard's employees' right to choose whether to be represented and will honor those decisions. But as has been pointed out, Activision Blizzard King is attempting to union bust and not voluntarily recognizing the union and yeah. So good l- continued good luck to the Raven QA staff who were trying to unionize, and I really fucking hope you pull it off, because we could do with more unions in this industry. Yep. So yeah, that's it for ABK. We can get that out of the way at least. That's that's done. Uh we got we got some stuff that's a bit less depressing. Sony has announced their PlayStation competitor to Game Pass. Is that less depressing? <laughs> I mean... Is it a competitor? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's being pitched as a competitor, yeah. dot, 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 with a bunch of caveats, and it's lacking a lot of the stuff that makes Game Pass a thing I care about. It's got a bunch of tears. Yeah. So you know how with Game Pass, it's just one thing, basically. It's Game Pass. Do you want it on... On one thing, or do you want it on PC and console? Do you do you like video games? Give us money. We will give you yeah. video games. That's the Game Pass. I mean, there's a, a, a bit of a difference. Do you want your video games on the console that we sold you also? Um, okay, yeah. Do you want them on console? Do you want them on PC? Do you want them both? It's Game Pass. PlayStation Plus's uh, equivalent is a lot more complicated. It's one that you have to go in with a bit of a spreadsheet and go, okay, what do I get for what tiers? It's so interesting to see Sony come up with a convoluted approach to yeah. a system. Yeah. Of Crazy. This is unheard of. Yeah. So the, the short version is PlayStation Plus is now going to be three different things. <laughs> PlayStation Plus Essential is what you already have with your PS Plus. You get... A couple of games a month that you can download, you get discounts, you get cloud saves, multiplayer. Your stuff that you're currently paying your online subscription for, right? You've then got PlayStation Plus Extra, which will add a catalogue of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits. They're downloadable, but it doesn't really specify what any of these 400 games will be. Just, you'll have access to 400-ish games. Well, they're going to be their most enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, well, they're going to be their most enjoyable. We'll get to this in a minute. They're not going to be their newest. That's the Sony guarantee. Oh, and then you've got PlayStation Plus Premium, which is, like, at the top end. You're looking at, like, $18 a month at this top end, which gets you everything you've had so far, plus an additional 340 games, some of which are PS3 games that are only cloud streamable. Some of which are classic retro games that can be streamed or downloaded from the PlayStation, PS2 and PSP. And cloud streaming for some stuff and some game demos that are time limited. So you can try stuff before you buy it. For like 18 bucks a month. I love that the demos, demos are a feature only found in the top end. Yeah. You only get demos in the top end of the feature. God. They could have just fucking been normal. No. Yeah. That's all. They could have just done a normal thing. This is Nintendo yeah. level. This is Nintendo shit. This level of convoluted nonsense. Even Nintendo's done it more simply than this. Yeah. Nintendo's at least is cheap as well. I don't mind the weird convolutedness if it's relatively cheap. This is... It's like... But, like... Microsoft has shown us how it's done. 
just yeah do that but no there's there's always this level of arrogance the catalog of stuff that's available on playstation is pretty impressive it's not you know like mind-blowing impressive but ps4 ps5 has some really good shit in it and i can totally see setting up a platform and making that available i an extra five bucks a month on what ps plus already is doesn't seem outrageous but all this other shit you know, like charging me an extra three bucks a month to get backwards compatibility back. Fuck you. And just making it more complex of, well, now I've got to research which tier gets me what. Like, yeah. Also, like, we, we have to address the elephant in the room. And I think this is the biggest thing that's going to really cause this comparison to be very bad for, for, for PlayStation. Their top tier, their $18 a month tier doesn't get you one of Game Pass's biggest selling points, which is day one access to first-party titles. Sure. That's right there is just... Yep. This is what I mean when I say arrogant. Like, this is them just thinking they're above it. Like, this is behaviour of someone who thinks they deserve to have the money that Game Pass makes without the same level of service. Yeah, like you are paying considerably more for this than you would for Game Pass, but you won't be getting first-party Sony games the day they come out on this service, because as uh, Sony's Jim Ryan puts it, in terms of putting our games onto the services uh, upon their release, uh, (laughs) as you well know, this isn't a road we've gone down in the past, and it's not a road we're going to go down with this service. We, We feel if we were to do that with the games that we make at PlayStation Studios... That virtuous cycle would be broken. The level of investment. Virtuous we... cycle! Yeah. The <laughs> level of investment that we need to make it our, our studios would not be possible. And we think the knock on effect on the quality of the games that we would make would not be something gamers want. Oh, fuck off, you stupid bastards. You filled Gran Turismo 7 with microtransactions, and now you're going to tell us about virtual cycles and integrity of your fucking quality games. Yeah. He's, te- he's saying that. Y- yeah, the PlayStation games would get shit if we gave you them with an eighteen dollar a month subscription. If we if we let you have them on a subscription fee, our games would get shit. Weird, because if you compare the latest Forza on Game Pass to the latest Gran Turismo game, which costs seventy dollars, I think I know which one I'd go for. Fuck's sake! Fuck's sake, indeed. Right, swivel on it. Yeah. So this. <sighs> This ain't looking like the, uh, the the Game Pass competitor they were uh, trying to position it as. They weren't even tr- well, trying to position, yeah. They clearly weren't trying to make one. No, they're just trying to make it sound like it's gonna be. I'm actually insulted. It That is intellectually insulting. Yeah. Other Sony news on that front. You'll know about this if you watch the Jimquisition this week. Gran Turismo 7's had to backpedal on all of the, Well, on a, a portion of its shitty monetization. The short version of this is... Uh, that game already had a bunch of very expensive in-app purchases that were hidden from reviewers by not making them available until after reviews were live. That grossly inflated the price of cars in order to... like Their bullshit excuse was, like, we want it to be the same price as the real-world equivalents. Yeah. Prices of cars individually went up. Prices of microtransaction, like, like overall, went up, like, very subtly. Like, everything across the board went up. Then, of course, the game was updated to make it grindier. Yep. 
and yeah, they've they've had to backpedal, they've had to give out a bunch of free credits, and uh, one of the things they used to let you do in Gran Turismo games and didn't in this one was let you sell the cars that you didn't want anymore to get credits towards new cars. They've now added back in the ability to sell cars. They're backpedaling hard because they have been eating shit for their monetization this week. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a nice little last bit of news, just a, just a fun thing. Remember that that neat little PS1 D-Maker Bloodborne? Oh my god, I've been I I'm so excited for this. Yeah, so um uh Lilith Walther, the uh the developer of that D-Make, has announced uh Bloodborne Kart is coming. Fuck yes! Yeah Take a trip to Carnum! Yeah, play a kart racing game, but it's PS1 Bloodborne. It looks incredible. It looks so oh. silly. And I I'll tell you what. One of my all-time favorite kart racers is a PS1 game, and that's Chocobo Racing. I fucking love that <laughs> game, and I am so down to play this Bloodborne kart. I'm watching footage of it. It looks fucking great. I love the 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 way that they've taken bits of like audio from Bloodborne and turned them into kind of upbeat PS1 music is <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, it's... It it's just such a wonderful concept. Yeah. I'm definitely playing that when it's when it's ready. Same. Just go look forward to that. That seems it seems fun. Yeah. We needed something fun to end on. It looks good. Well, speaking of looking forward to things. <gasps> yeah. I know someone who's always got work on the horizon. Oh shit, who's that? It's Laura K. Dale. What could oh. be on that horizon? Well, if you go look at Laura K. Buzz on all the places, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. You'll find me doing all sorts of stuff on the internet, such as uh, I make episodes of Accessibility every week, which are about uh, accessibility in the games industry. This week's one is about Kirby and some of the lies that game tells you to, behind the scenes, make itself more accessible. And the fact that that's not a new thing, there's a lot of lies that video games will tell you to quietly make themselves easier, and that's really cool. We dig into the history of that a bit, so look forward to that on Friday. Yeah, just look for me at Laura K. Buzz everywhere. What about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? What do you do? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can come and hang out with me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. I've been playing at uh, Skull on there. I've been playing Rune Factory 5. Uh, so come come hang out there. Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do gets supported on Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Yes, it is. James Stephanie Sterling. I chokeslam Tories. I spinning heel kick people in the face. So that's what I do now, and I can be funded at patreon.com slash jimquisition. Uh, you can see me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jimsterling. I streamed some Kirby for the first time in weeks. It was an Elden Ring. How about that for a treat? I, I was the same. It's the first mm -hmm. game that broke that cycle. <laughs> <laughs> and the next North Wrestling event is on um, May 14th. 
again at the Anarchy Brewing Company in Newcastle, UK. Uh, their next event is We Truly Mean All the Disrespect, and that is on May 14th. Uh, many people have asked if I'm going to be there, and I can officially confirm that I assume so. So, yeah, I'll see you there one way or another, and we'll see you next week one way or another on Podquisition, and we'll see you there. Bye! Bye! Bye!